Yes, people, welcome back to Process. Today we are joined by another very special guest, owner of Pioneer Performance, Matthew Walker. Welcome to the podcast, mate. Happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. No, absolute pleasure, mate. I'm really interested to hear about your story and obviously the gym story yourself. So we'll start off. What was Matthew Walker like when he was younger? Was he into sport? When did you get into the gym? When did it all start for yeah. you? Um, so Matthew Walker, when he was younger, he saw it. I'll actually, I used to live in America. Um, so I was born in I was born in Fort Lauderdale, um, Florida. Where I was actually I was a fantastic footballer at the age of six or seven. Um, but then when my parents moved to moved back to the UK, so my parents are from from England. Um, they're both from the northeast. So when we moved back here and I um, got into primary school, uh, I realised how terrible of a footballer I actually was um, compared to compared to all the lads who were who were in my class. Um, so after that, I sort of like. You know, fell away from you know, like that has been my sport, if you will. Um, then moved into playing rugby as I got into high school. Really, really enjoyed rugby. Tended to enjoy the training and the process of it, and I suppose the camaraderie more so than the actual matches. Like I've always felt like I was somebody who sort of suffered with a little bit of evaluation apprehension, in that I was I was much better in the training process than I ever was like against against you know another another team where you've got the the competition element coming into it um with that in order to aid playing rugby you know as i got older so probably from about the age of 14 or, or 15 um i then started going to the gym lifting weights you know always wanted to improve myself physically um and that was definitely coming from a vanity perspective um and i suppose that was potentially frowned upon it a little bit. So I always used to mask it with, you know, oh, I'm, I'm going to the gym to uh, get bigger in order to play rugby better. And, you know, you always sort of held rugby as like, as that, that pinnacle thing. Um, but then a, a similar thing happened in that I actually, I enjoyed resistance training more so than I you know enjoyed training for rugby and playing rugby. So naturally that's just kind of, that's where my interest for it started. Um, I started like much younger than what you were actually allowed to at the time because of, you know, people's beliefs upon, you know, like the physiology of children. And that used to say you shouldn't um, resistance train before the age of um, 16, et cetera. Um, but I was in the gym at 14, um, you know, just pretending I was 16. Uh, my first gym was actually with Springs Light in Kingston Park, which is unfortunately closed down now. Um, but that was, uh, yeah, that that was my my first introduction to resistance training. Picked up a lot of men's health magazines, old workouts, followed, um, you know, eat big advice, etc. Um, and then the rest is history. <laughs> the rest is history. I like that. It's funny that you mentioned about how when you were playing rugby that you enjoyed the gym and the training, the kind of process aspect of rather than the game. Because yeah. I would probably say I was similar to that. I always enjoyed being, really loved being an athlete, loved the Monday to Fridays, get myself yeah. set up, loving training in the morning, gym in the afternoon sort of thing. And I know a lot of other lads who were kind of in that similar sort of process and hence probably why they went on to be personal trainers, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting to kind of, that's how people develop the passion. They're like, actually, hang on. I enjoy the training more than actually the actual sport itself. Maybe I can actually get a passion and, yeah. and, and kind of pursue that passion separately, uh, which is funny. And it's, it's funny how you started so young at 14 as well. I don't think I touched the dumbbell until I was probably maybe 17 or 18 kind of things. You, you've had them extra, extra years. Who were who your role models who you kind of looked up to in the health, men's health magazines back in the day? Um, well, I actually didn't know who this person was at the time, um, but mm -hmm. I do, I do now. Um, so what, the, one of the, the first people, one of the first magazines that I bought 
had a guy called David Godfrey on the cover. And I'm not sure, if, are you familiar with David Godfrey? I've heard that name, it's going to annoy you. I can't um, so, so David Godfrey, Godfrey um, he, at the time he was probably a hypnotherapist. I think that's where he sort of started his journey in the industry. Um, but him and his wife, um, Rachel Guy or Godfrey now, um, they have a business called Chase Life. Um, but basically he was a psychologist slash personal trainer and he is, was on the on the front cover of a couple of magazines and, you know, had workouts dedicated uh, to him. And, you know, these are the training sessions that he'd used and the rep ranges that he'd used um, and the days that he trained on in order to, to build the body, which, you know, got him on the front cover of the men's health magazine. Um, so, yeah, I, although I didn't really know who he was or anything about him at the time, and, you know, the magazine probably actually didn't say anything about him. It was more so, this is our cover. This is our... Um, our cover model for the month month and this is what his training looks like um but later on and you know this is really just by like chance and coincidence that as i moved into the industry i sort of learned who this person was and sort of recognized them um because at the beginning he was a, a personal trainer in in london for a company called um ultimate performance who you might be familiar with um and he was kind of one of their um standout pts if you will in that he was like on the him and another person were on the um the home page of the website etc um and then from then on i sort of recognized who he was um and then now i've actually been fortunate enough to he's been down to to being up rather to pioneer performance that was like in our first year of business um mm -hmm. second or third year of, of being no first year of being in this gym um where he came up and delivered with it with his wife uh delivered a, a seminar um on you know like mindset and psychology of of weight loss and consistency um and uh nlp don't know if that's something that you yeah yeah, new, yeah yeah i know about that i'm not going to try and say because i'll end up butchering you new right. and just i can't even say that that one you yeah, know, what I, mean? I, know I know exactly what it is i'm not <laughs> so basically yeah. sort of like adapting adapting your thought process in order to achieve a certain outcome mm -hmm. yeah it's crazy how your first kind of insight into fitness was a bit more of a psychological one because like most like for me it was like mike rashid chris guzman jeff side all them sort of like just kind of do a lift weights kind of thing you kind of a little bit more of an interest which kind of interests me because i know what you're i've looked at your instagram and some of the things you follow and i know you you're getting coached off someone from the muscle mental so you're kind of down that route which is a little bit thinking outside the box rather than just your old school thing so it's kind of like really interesting like i said where that kind of begins and started off from yeah, I mean, I've always, I've oh, and sometimes this is to my own detriment. Like, I hate following a crowd. Like, I, I really, I, I despise it. Like, you know, if everybody, you know, wants to wear a blue t-shirt, I'll, I'll wear a red t-shirt, and that's kind of that's. In, but I'm never, I've never really been outlandish or showy offy with regards to doing that. But I just, I yeah, I hate, I hate following a crowd. So I've always tried to just be like a little bit different in, in some, some aspect. <laughs> yeah, in any sort of way. Where do you think that stemmed from? Do you think it's just, just, just being you? Is it like something from your parents or you're not really too, not really too sure. It's just always been one of them things like, I don't like, I don't like being like everybody else. Um, you know, cause I would never describe myself as a natural leader. It's def it's mm -hmm. definitely something that I've had to learn in like adapt in order to fulfill the role that, you know, that I've got today. Um, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I really couldn't say it. Maybe I've just got like slightly different interests to most mm -hmm. people might like my age. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that, I think I know for myself, I'm quite different 
I'm similar to very similar to my dad in terms of my like the way that I am, but my interests are completely different to everybody else. Like in my family, like no one's into fitness, no one's like this much of a nerd right. about like listening to the best things in like not just in terms of fitness and muscle mechanics and stuff, but also like psychology and stuff. I'm big into that side of things. So it's I don't know if it's just maybe when I was younger, I kind of isolated myself and was the only person who kind of watched all them YouTube videos and listened to podcasts from an early early age and kind of you were surrounding yourself for that much. Like they always say you surround like the five people you surround yourself much uh, with the most yeah. are the people who you, you kind of like that's that's who you kind of are. Yeah. Even if you're not surrounding yourself with actual people, but with like videos, podcasts, articles, yeah. whatever it is, that's kind of who you become. And I found I can see it in myself, that's kind of where that passion and stuff and my interests have came from, which is probably a similar from yourself, the people who you've kind of looked at in magazines and whatever has probably created the reason that you are the you are the way you are today. Yeah. Definitely. I mean I'm I'm very similar to my parents in some ways, but then you know, simultaneously, my mom and dad not, aren't really into to fitness. So this is never something, aside from buying me a set of 10 kilo dumbbells for Christmas when I was 13 or 14, it's never been something that they've you know pushed me to do. Um, however, in terms of like my own like skills and you know, maybe even like education, um, I've always been better at doing things like physically um, rather than you know, being able to pass exams or you know, write things, science, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always just been better off like having something where there's a, a physicality aspect, but then you know, also a, a, a bit of thought, which has definitely influenced the things that I enjoy doing the most because typically mm-hmm. you'll enjoy the things that you are better at, um, yeah. especially when you're growing up, especially when you're growing up through school. Um, and then with that, as you said, you know, you definitely sort of become the an average of the people that you spend the most time with naturally i spend time with people who were you know a bit more like myself and enjoy doing things which had a, a quite a big like physical aspect to it mm-hmm. no, no definitely so what were you like after school so did you how did you do gcse wise and stuff like that and in, in a levels did you go down that route or what did you do after that yeah, to be honest with you i am absolutely bang average right my school went a b c d e f g in terms of your capabilities <laughs> And I was in D from year seven right up until year eleven when that that stopped that stopped being a thing. And so I was I've never ever been somebody who um you know performed exceptionally in a in an academic aspect. Um, when I done my A levels, I think I got CCD. So again, not amazing. Um, but it was enough to get me into university, which was my sec my second choice was Sunderland University. Um, and actually, I think on the day, I didn't get a yes, but then I didn't get a no um, on like results day. So I had to phone up the head of department to see, you know, to see what they do. I think it's, it's UCAS, isn't it? That the sort mm-hmm. of system yeah, that they yeah. use to, to find out whether or not you, you've got into your choice of university. Um, so I had to phone up the university and you know, tell them these are the results that I got. You know, would you be able to give me a place? And I phoned up the, the the guy who was the head of department, and he, he might still be to this day. He was called David Sheldon, and it just so happened that his son was also a, a rugby player for the club that I was playing for, um, which was Bladen. Um, and I think that definitely had a hand in me getting accepted, like into university. Um, you know, so maybe sometimes it is not what you know, but who you know, but then also what have you done to know who you know? 
Mm-hmm. No, I mean, there's a lot, a lot of things in life. It is like a lot of who you know in terms of progressing and whatever. It is. Especially we talked about before the podcast about football. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time, your progressions in football is, is the same sort of thing. So, what did you study at uni? Um, so I studied a combination of sport and exercise development, and sports science. Yeah, mm-hmm. just very, what, very typical. What? Yeah, yeah. What in your mind did you kind of think you were going to do after uni or past that? When did what was going for your head, and when did the personal training side kind of click? Yeah. So I think when you're like when you're finishing when you're finishing it like a sports science degree, you're very aware that most people who finish that kind of degree um, tend to not go into the industry at all, or they go into the industry for a very short space of time and then they exit because they don't enjoy it. Um, they're not getting paid enough. They don't feel valued enough. Um, you know, they don't want to teach seven-year-old kids to run around a cone or jump over a hurdle. Um, so I, I always knew that I was never going to be able to go down the, like the sporting route. Um, I always knew that it would have to be something exercise based. Um, and one of my, one of my friends, uh, Jack, he was a personal trainer. So I sort of dropped in a message and said, you know, what's that job role like? Do you get paid much money? Is it enjoyable? <laughs> um, what do you actually do? What does it mean? And so he explained a little bit more about, about it and, yeah, I just thought, right, you know, there's absolutely nothing else happening here. Um, I'm not going to get a job, you know, working as a, an SNC coach for a football team. It's not what interest is. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not into sport really at all. Um, so it just, uh, yeah, I just thought, right, Google personal training course, pick the first one that came up. Um, and then in a, in a really nice way, it sort of, it started in, um, September, which would be, you know, the, the start of the next academic year. And yeah, and, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Just took it just took from there. Where did you, what was your first PT job? What was it like first yeah. few months? Was it slow or did it kind of build up quite quick? And um, so during, during the course, I kind of, I, I put some feelers out and, you know, heard of a couple of opportunities and actually started working in, in a private facility, which was in Pontyland. Um, I worked there for a couple of months. Pay was probably similar to, you know, what you would get working in a supermarket, it was, you know, it wasn't, wasn't great at all. And, you know, it, if I wasn't living with my parents, I wouldn't have been able to sustain doing, doing that job. Um, then at the same time, I sort of decided that I wanted to go and do like something extra because I, I physically wasn't able to get the hours or get the clientele that I wanted um, through working in that particular business. Um, and me and my, my mate Jack decided to you know, run a, like a group training course um, because he had a lot more contacts. He'd been in the industry longer than me, but it took more than one person to run them. Um, so when we, so we then first sort of hired a gym. The person I was working for at the time wasn't, wasn't happy with that. Um, so we, you know, I left him and we parted, we parted ways, which was quite something quite, you know, maybe at the time you thought it was hard to take losing your first job when you're, you're 22, but looking back in you know, the way that I say that that place has developed, it's yeah, absolutely atrocious. Um, but yeah, so from there, I then joined up with Jack and we started running these group training courses, which, you know, went relatively well. Um, and at the same time, I started working at the exercise for less group. And um, so I was at the gym in Benton, from the like the first day that it was that it opened, um, doing the Monday morning six a.m. class, and um, because I just kind of thought, right, you know, if you're going to bring in some new clients, if people are going to be in the gym, if you're going to get your face noticed, Monday morning six o'clock in the morning, you should probably be there, and I should probably be somebody who's talking pretty loudly so that people notice you. <laughs> and that's in front, like from there, I was able to 
build more of a client base and work my way up through the the rent in the rent and our schemes which they had at the time um yeah and then just got to a point where i was really busy i was the busiest personal trainer in there and you know doing 30 40 sessions a week and then decided right you know what my price is maybe lose some clients go back again and then i just kind of got to a point where i i always knew that i wanted to open up my own facility in my own gym um, and it was actually part of a business plan that I'd done when I was at, when I was at uni, it was part of my dissertation project. Um, and it didn't plan out in the same way that I you know, planned on paper. Um, but from there, it then sort of just like snowballed, decided I was, you know, we I stopped working with, with Jack and we went in with my, um, my business partner now, Alex, um, and started up the first gym in Wall's End, which I, I managed to get through a client done boot camps and stuff like in, in between working for that working for other people you know built up more clients and um, you know some of which i would never i'm working with today that i would never have met if i you know i hadn't uh, went and done those things not that i particularly wanted to do them the like group exercise isn't my thing at all um but in the early days you know a wide array of experience is definitely something which can play in your benefit moving forward Mm-hmm. I think people, some people are so quick to kind of say, right, I'm a one-to-one PT or I'm a group PT rather than doing a little bit of it, even boot camps and stuff like that. Some people might frown upon boot camps and stuff like that. But as a PT, you can get 10, 15, maybe 20 people, clients in. It's just you can get a hit like a, a, a lot wider, a wider like more people pretty much mm-hmm. rather than just being restricted to that one-to-one. So don't be hesitant to kind of yeah. dive into different things, even if some people might say it's cringy, especially if you're kind of from a very strict bodybuilding background or you're into a certain type yeah. of training. Like, not every single one of your clients is going to be a bodybuilder or going to yeah. be a, like a, a professional athlete. Yeah. They could just be Debbie from down the road who wants to lose a little bit of fat and just get her moving kind of thing. So being Absolutely. open to different client bases, like I'm, obviously you'll be the same when you first started you were happy to take as many clients as you want. It wasn't just like, right, I'm only yeah. training the people who I want to train the way that I train. Yeah. Um, so how did you kind of develop your your own knowledge in terms of experience? Was it when you first started, were you very much in that mindset where I want to train people the way that I, I particularly train? Or mm-hmm. was it kind of something that just as you went through the, the times that you kind of developed, you know, I, I can't train everybody a certain way. Mm-hmm. There's different kind of approaches to training. Yeah. So I've, I've really... I wouldn't say that I worked with anybody that was particularly challenging where I didn't have like enough skills to work with them. Like whilst working at Exercise for Less, you know, I was training with, um, you know, lots of other people who followed like a body, a bodybuilding approach. But at the same time, actually, I trained a couple of people who were in wheelchairs um, and that definitely broadened my experience in that, you know, you do just need to sort of find something that is going to be suitable for this person, like, in that moment and in that time and i think i've always had like a full body sort of approach and that i always knew that i needed to you know hit all these muscles and hit all these muscles you know across a certain time frame um in terms of saying like i had a bodybuilding approach it's you know it would definitely be considered it would definitely be considered a bodybuilding approach but that was never really like at the forefront of my mind and i think Internally, I always knew that, right, this person's terrible at squatting. I can't really find out the reasons as to why they're terrible at squatting. Like, I'm not able to just, yeah, I didn't physically have the skills to just to recognize it at the time. You know, I would have been 21, 22. Um, so 
let's just try and do something that looks a little bit better and the person finds a lot more comfortable, which generally generally would be a, a leg press or a hack squat um, or a walk and lunge as much as people you know dislike them. It looked better than this person who you know, I thought would potentially blow their back out if they do another rep on the back squat. Yeah. <laughs> I think with any personal trainer, it's just you learn as, as you go through. You probably look back on a few years back and think, God, why did I do that exercise with that people? I think I had a little scroll through Instagram. There was a picture yeah. of you training a, a female client on, I think it was on a Smith machine, yeah. doing a, a squat and the knees were actually behind the line of her ankles and you were you captioned something like, what the hell was yeah. I doing and doing this sort of thing? But you do learn as you go. Absolutely. You're going to make them mistakes and yeah. it might lose you a few clients previously, but you'll end up, you learn from it and you'll end up keeping a couple of clients down the line. So it's just one of the things. Definitely. I think in, in this sort of industry, you want to make mistakes and make mistakes very, very quickly so you can get over them. Because mm-hmm. at that time, you, you, haven't really, you haven't really got that much to lose. Yeah. But the, yeah. The best time to make mistakes is when you're younger and you're, there's less financial kind of overheads that you need to worry about. You, you can make mistakes. You've got room to grow. And a yeah. lot of people are so scared in the pin that they see how, what the PT industry is like with mm-hmm. like, a lot of gyms just like, going through PTs that are conveyor belt, like people are just quitting PT and early within like the first year and going to do another stick a, a quote unquote safer job. But if you stick at something for a long enough time, you're gonna get better at it, which is why like how long have you been a PT now since when you first started? Well actually before I jumped on this with you, I thought this would be a question that you would ask me. Go on. So I scrolled all the way back through my Instagram because that's how you find out what you used to do. Um and yeah it was 2013 when I became a, a personal trainer and first started working as a PT um, which now makes me feel really really old um, yeah so it's been it's been eight years now god that's it see you, if you look back at how much you've grown from then if you if you quit after them one or two years mm-hmm. god knows what you would have been doing now did you ever come to a point where you thought about changing careers or anything along the line <sighs> no it is I, I actually I can confidently say that I like I haven't um, I'm quite a, I'm like, I'm quite a stubborn and like, you know, tenacious sort of person. Um, I really don't want to let myself down and I can tell myself like little, little things, like little consequences that would happen, you know, if you don't do like X, Y, and Z and those things might be real. They might not be real, but it sort of puts a lot more ownership on, you know, the need to go out in, in X execute you know whatever it is that i that i plan that that i plan to do sometimes those things might be this person is going to think this way about you this person is going to think that way about you and it's i suppose in that circumstance it's a delicate it's a delicate line to to draw but if you want it enough and you've got the skills and as i said before you're you're a tenacious person at heart then the, that can be a valuable way of making sure that you you tick the boxes that you need to tick and hopefully achieve what you've what you've set out to do. Yeah, it's just resilience. I think anybody who stays in a certain industry for a certain amount of time and does have success, they're going to have to be resilient because there's going to be times where they think they're going to make mistakes, lose, especially in this industry, being self-employed, being a PT, you're going to lose clients. There might be times where you're really like, God, I need to get some clients here. But mm-hmm. if you really want it bad enough, you'll find a way to make it work rather than if you're not bothered, that's when you kind of jump shit and go and try and find something else. Um, but yeah. that's probably mm-hmm. the reason why there is only a certain amount of PTs that have been really successful. And obviously a lot of you don't, I think that it like I think just kind of going back to what you were saying there where people were you know, people were people 
become anxious like if they lose a client you know whether that client's not got the available funds anymore or you know they decided that it's it, personal training is no longer for them as long as you are someone who like cares enough and is decent and can turn up on time be empathetic to the person in front of you like you will you should always be able to have like a full a full diary because there's more than enough people out there who who need your help and can do with your help and can afford your help you've just got to you've got to have you've got to have um I suppose the ability to just go out there and say I am here I can help you and um, drop me a message or knock on the front door or speak to them in person etc yeah that's one thing that I thought was going to happen when I first started PT and I thought they were going to be coming flooding, like flooding through the door like everyone's going to be messing me so it's not you've got to go out there and put yourself out there like you might see someone who actually might need help like whether you're, you're doing shifts at a gym you might see someone whose technique isn't that good yeah. go up to them and say oh like here's some, a bit of advice that might help you out obviously don't be like you're doing that wrong yeah. do this that and the other or even if you're on Instagram yeah. and you see someone who's like i've seen one of my friends who i haven't seen for ages he's just started getting back into the gym again i just dropped the message saying hi mate if you need any help i know you live down south but we can do either online coaching or if you're ever up north i'll help like just dropping the message not being like sign up to my pt or sign up to my online coaching just be just giving them like the offer to say i'm here to help if you need it and yeah. then, like, they might message you six months down the line they might message you two years down the line but like uh, that sort yeah. of approach like being open uh, absolutely i mean you know i've got somebody who uh yeah i taught a boot camp to um that would have been back in 2013 um you know who you have on facebook you like blah 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 um you know she's had you know eight years of her life moving forward and you know now she's in a position where it's like actually you know i really wanted to use your services for a while um couldn't afford you but now i can have you got any space available yeah and if i don't it's just, you know, it goes to one of the it goes to it goes to one of the other guys and um like being able to communicate with people like that and just make links. It might be seven or eight years before you, before you make that lead or that person decides that it's time to contact you. There's certainly things that you can do yourself with your own marketing um, and the way that you display your product or your service in order to bring that person in sooner. Um, but first of all, you've got to take a step forward and you've just got to, you've got to be able to put yourself out there. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. It's people skills as well. Being like one of the people that's like, especially when it comes to losing clients, the kind can't like say like doesn't have the funds anymore to to afford the personal training. Always maybe at a, a point where they're kind of like, you know what, I want to give it a go on my own. It's not being like, oh fine, and they they yeah. don't care about you anymore kind of thing. Always just checking on them every so often. Like I've had a few clients who who have left me and just said, all right, I might be back like at some point. I'm gonna take a break or whatever it is. All right, I, like I'm done with it. And then every so often, just check up on them or like being kind of reasonable with them being like all right i appreciate your time and your effort and stuff you've done really well they might message you six months down the line and be like actually hang on i've lost my routine and stuff i need your help again so all, yeah. don't ever end it on a bad note um yeah. but yeah you'll know it more than me I'm, i've only been in the industry two years compared to what was it nearly 10 years so mm-hmm. um yes if you're saying this the, the things like that then 100 percent it's got to be got to be true yeah um yeah they're like I think a lot of people also don't realize is that like if you have a bad relation, if you have a bad experience with somebody, that person is likely to tell six or seven people about their bad experience with you. Um, whereas if somebody has you know a good experience with you and that, you know, I'm, I've decided to stop PT, maybe they're telling their friends, you know, but they say, but you know, but this is what Brendan done for me before leaving. Isn't that nice? Or you mm-hmm. sent me a card saying I've had a great time working with you. Um, you know, I can't wait to work, hopefully be able to work with you in the future, etc. People, you know, generally 
if people have a good experience, they'll tell less people, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but if you shout loud enough, you do nice enough things, you know, they might well tell more people. Um, but that then opens the door to other people's other people's networks in order to, you know, that would allow you to generate more leads or generate generate more clients. Um, and actually, I think that's something that many PTs are scared to ask for in a way in that, you know, when you're working with somebody that almost automatically pre-qualifies their friends and their family to also work with you. You know, coming back to what we were saying before, you are the average of the people that you spend the most time with. And, you know, if these people have got a good network, it's more than likely that a lot of these people would also be suitable to work with you. People, your personal trainers in general, just need to ask for that or have a way of you know, making an, an inroad into to speak to those other people. Mm-hmm. No, 100%. Okay. I'd probably say 75% of my clients have came from refer- like other people talking about it rather than social media. Like Social media is like a, a small part of it, but the face-to-face, the kind of word of mouth is the best way, I think, in terms of growing a person. Like, I found myself, like, it'll be some of my clients who come to my boot camp, some of my clients who just come see me one-to-one, it'll be their friends, their sisters, yeah. their daughters, like whoever whoever it is, anything like that. So word yeah. of mouth, I would probably definitely we, say. It, like, as, a, as a business, as Piney Performance, we haven't advertised on social media probably for the last six years um because generally a lot of the people who come through social media in that they send you a dm tend to be lower hanging fruit clients where they're looking for a good deal or they're looking for something very short term um in my own experience you i don't tend to see like good clients who you want to work with who are prepared to put the work in and are prepared to spend money on your services they come through a, a direct message on on instagram and um, they tend to be people who have searched for your services rather than people who you are showing your services to now don't get you don't get this wrong it doesn't mean that you shouldn't use social media but it needs to be more of a shop window approach in that this is what we do this is how we do it this is how we could help you rather than and this is where a lot of people sort of get wrong and get it wrong in that you know they put up now um got space uh, in the mornings now got space in the afternoon got a you know six sessions available between you know, these dates but generally you're not going to find people who generally genuinely want to make a change and use the services over a long period of time doing marketing like that Mm-hmm. Yeah, people I always find afford, as well people who can afford your services aren't spending that much time on social media. Yeah, I know that's that's another good thing. I was gonna say people who are constantly advertising advertising the services and like right, I've got five slice um like slots available on these days. Um, it probably makes them look a little bit kind of why aren't they busy? Like it makes me probably question in terms of is there like if I was like obviously a client and sometimes I like, look at it on social media, someone's constantly advertising. It's yeah. kind of as if they're in a desperation. So maybe. Maybe they might not be. Maybe they might just have a few slots. Be, but mm-hmm. from my perspective, sometimes it does come across that way when I see it quite a lot. Yeah, I think I, you know I definitely look at things from a slightly different perspective because I've been pioneer performance for such a long time rather than Matthew Walker. You know, Matthew mm-hmm. Walker personal training really stopped at exercise for less and didn't go any further than that. So, you know, I've been running pioneer for probably over five years now. And then the way that you portray yourself like as a business versus an individual personal trainer, it, it definitely, definitely differs. A lot of the skills overlap, overlap heavily. Um, but yeah, so that's where I suppose when I answer things, this is where I'm, I always tend to be coming from. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I get, you get what I mean. I can understand the mindset flip. Um, so t- we'll talk about Pioneer performance a little bit. So last yeah. we talked about when you were at War's End, what yeah. happened from there? How did you grow the business? Was it a lot of group stuff or did you do a lot of one-to-one stuff at that time as well? Yeah, so when we opened the Wall's End gym, our initial um, thought was to, because we were hiring other people's gyms at the time, me and Alex, to, to run like different courses. Um, so we ran a couple out of other people's gyms. We were never really that impressed with the equipment. Um, we always felt like we could do things better, but we pursued with it. Um, so then when I was able to open up the gym in Wall's End, which came through one of my clients, and I just said, I really want to open my own gym. You don't know anywhere that's uh, like letting out space, do you? And then he just happened to be, he actually said no first. And then like 10 minutes later, he said, actually, I'm a member of a board at a um, a big historical building in Wall's End. And they've got a room on top floor empty. Do you want to come have a look? Went kind of, you know, it just went, went from there. And that we took um, this long, uh, yeah, this big rectangular room. And then like one of the little offices next to it, couple of weeks later i decided actually we'll take the office next to that as well and then um, sublet that to a physiotherapist so we then built out that gym you know got various bits of kit from all across the uk was in a van every weekend glasgow birmingham uh in wolverhampton you know just picking up various things and, and getting ready um so we then quickly outgrew that with, you know, just what, another personal trainer and another and our physiotherapist um, or sports therapist at the time. Um, it was actually Alex Hurley, who is the owner of Hot Pod Yoga in Desmond and Willie Bay. Um, so he, you know, he sort of had a career shift. But so we moved to the Quayside and um, then developed an even bigger team of personal trainers where we had a, uh, you know, Finn come on board, James, a few other people, um, and then sort of grew to like a team of, of eight people. Realized the gym floor was still far too busy. So that was like two years ago now. And then we, we kind of, we were at a point where people were foam rolling, you know, on the you know floor in front of the front door and people were stepping over people. And we always thought, right, this isn't great now. And so that's when we sort of decided to put in a second floor in the, in the gym, which was like a massive project. Um, so we've done that at the end of 2019. So we finished it in like October, November time, 2019. Um, yeah. And then that's kind of where we are right now. Various changes with regards to equipment. Like I'm always upgrading things. I'm always changing things based upon a lot of the courses that I do in my education around things and generally seeing more of the things you know, that, that I like and, and, and learn about the body and biomechanics and you know, how we can use that to improve somebody's experience when they're working with us. Yeah. See, I want to touch on the equipment side of things. I know you're big on the biomechanics things and everything mm-hmm. like that, but back to the, so when you were growing, obviously Pioneer, was it quite a gradual sort of progression or was there any bits where you're like getting a bit frustrated, like it's not growing the way I wanted to, or were you mm-hmm. kind of, it was just yeah. kind of like bam, 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 bam. It, like it was looking back, it was extremely, extremely gradual. Um, I've always been somebody who like enjoys the delayed gratification process. Um, you know, we had a, a, a lot of you know, setbacks in the in the walls in walls end gym, and but it was never at a point where I thought, you know, oh, I can't be bothered with this. Like one day we had like the we actually had water coming through the came. <laughs> looking back it was absolutely ridiculous we had water running internally through a wall and then coming out of the skirting board and like that flooded the gym like four four or five times bear in mind we were on the third floor of a building 
Um, which, so that was quite that was quite a big that was quite a big setback um, at the at the time. And you know you were definitely in a position where it was like right you know we either get out of here asap um, or you stop doing it. But you know the the latter was never really in our in our mind, and we always knew that we could offer more with a bigger space. Um, so we spent about twenty months in the the gym room walls end, so just under two years, and then we were able to uh, like grow to a, a bigger, um, a lot more official sort of unit. The gym in walls end was very official, but we didn't have like formal lease agreements written up or anything or anything like that um which is you know in big deposits which is kind of where we where we are now in the in the current unit Mm -hmm. so in terms of the level that you are at when you were at war's end just for people Mm -hmm. who obviously maybe looking who are personal trainers or they're doing Mm -hmm. group stuff and they're maybe wanting to get their own facility Mm -hmm. in terms of how busy were you in terms of like an average day and like yeah. during the week? Was it like seven days a week or was it like, were you quite strict with having your time off and stuff like that, which is something I want to talk about obviously having time off, but how busy were you in an average day? Like a bit of both. I've tended to not work Sundays, like in general with clients. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always had Sunday, like as a day, as a, as a day of rest. But with that being said, you know, if something needed painted or a machine needed um, picked up or, know disassembled or like any extra pieces of work i've kind of though that i've always done that on on those days so you can't really have any limitations in growing not this kind of business anyways in terms of what days you're going to work um but in general i've always kind of been monday to friday most of the time sometimes occasionally saturday mornings which i don't really do that much of at the moment um unless i have to um yeah, but you know, I tend to I'll work quite early in the morning until quite late at night. Um, still, but I'm getting better at that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it, 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 I can understand that, that I get told off for working on Sundays as well. I'm trying to have Sundays. I have like Saturday, like Wednesday evenings at the minute. I'm trying to have free stuff. I've got two clients at the night, but my, my missus is out, so that's an excuse. I'll get away with that one. Same thing, Saturday afternoons off. And then Sundays, if I've got a little bit of online work and stuff to do, but mm-hmm. having that kind of, was there a point where you you were doing like seven days a week or was there a point where you're kind of burning yourself out? Because I sometimes think that, a lot, I hear a lot of people say that you have to have that period of like being burnt out to get to a certain level, then you can back off a little bit and then maybe go again. What was it like for yourself? I think, you, you know, you definitely, you definitely, you definitely grow through what you go through. Um, I've always been somebody to recognize, I've always been able to recognize when, things are getting on top of me too much and it's starting to become like detrimental and that can be detrimental twofold in that you know physically and psychologically you're not able to do your job in the way that you you want to be able to do um but then like two you might ruin relationships of your your partner or whoever you need to support you um i've always been somebody who's been quite happy to work like very 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 hard um mm-hmm. i've been it now i'm able because i'm able to delegate delegate more things to our gym manager sam um and to the you know to the, the other pts the team here is like is absolutely fantastic um so i'm able to take a bit more time off now than what i used to be able to take off um but i would say that i've served my time in the seven day a week um you know 10 to uh, you know six in the morning until 10 p.m at night mentality um but that doesn't mean that i won't go there again for the next phases of growth you've got to be able to recognize like when you start when you need to do that and when it's time to take your foot off the gas 
right now, the, you know, this holiday that I'm about to go on is me taking my foot off the gas because like psychologically, I've been very, very engaged since March 2020 when we went into lockdown in that I overly overanalyze things. I overthink things and you know, I can make, I'm making a lot of progress with that mindset and with doing that. But I'm at a point now where it's like, actually, I'm no longer able to fulfill the needs of other aspects of the business. And um, so it's time to take, it's time to take some, um, you know, some leave, um, you know, which, you know, hence me going on holiday and probably one of the business, one of the areas of the business, which is I've been struggling with most is the, like the creativity side, like the, the opportunity for like free thinking and, you know, essentially just being out of these four walls. So you can, so I can think about more things and be more productive. Mm-hmm. No, it's so easy when you're that busy to get caught up in just being like, it's almost like you get, you get stuck at the same level. Yes, you're really busy, which is good and things are going well, but you can never level up because you've got no time to think about leveling up. You've got like no spare yeah. time in the week. So like yeah. you said, taking that time out, like I found I was ill with COVID, which obviously wasn't great, but I had a good, obviously 40, what was it, 10 days isolation, just the reset. I couldn't do any work or anything. And I found that mentally really good, even though obviously I was unwell and stuff, but it was kind of like, right. Where do I actually want to go? Like I've been so busy with just focusing on clients, clients, clients. Yeah. Take my own workouts off and do my social media bits. Obviously, trying to keep podcasts going, all that sort of stuff. That having yeah. that time to actually reflect and think, where do I actually want to go? Like you just kind of get stuck in the rabbit hole in the circle, like on the, what do you call it, the hamster wheel. Sorry, of just just doing the same thing. Like you said, that you might go on this holiday, and yes, it's going to be good to switch off and stuff. But you might have a little brainwave, or you might see something like, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Like I could, or like that's why I like to have my little. My little, oh, sorry, I was going to interrupt you there. Um, my little, um, little like, hour in the day, first thing in the morning, I do, like, my, people probably see on Instagram, my stretching, and I listen to a podcast, and that's kind of my hour each day that, like, right. I can think, go on, are you yeah. going to say something? That's, that's, that, you know, that, that's great that you've, that's great that you've got something, like, something there that you can, you can go to, I suppose, like, as you, as your anchor to allow a little bit, a little bit of free thinking. Like, for me, what, you, what you've just said there, I know that that'll happen, that as soon as I step, you know, as soon as I start, um, driving this van through scotland i'll have loads of ideas come to us and uh, i'll be in my notes like forever writing things down and you know making voice notes etc Um, i i can confidently say that i'm i'm not somebody that ever really switches off like i don't fully switch off i don't fully disengage um you no know, maybe i'm worse off for it who knows i'll probably never know to be honest um but definitely having like a reduced capacity. So, you know, no longer like running at hundred percent, reducing that down to, you know, like 50 or 60%, you know, of, of free headspace. Like that is all I need to then like move myself forward. Mm-hmm. What's your sort of headspace escape? Is it training? Is it, obviously I know you've got a dog yourself as well. So is it walking yeah. the dog? What's your switch off? And is training a switch off for you? Is that something else in its own aspect? Training in this gym isn't switch off. Um, which is unfortunate because you know I've got some of the best bits of kit that you can't even really buy now because nobody sells them. Um, so that's unfortunate. I'm never really switched off in here. So when I, I like occasionally I'll go to Ultraflex in Durham on a Friday night for like some six, seven o'clock um, and train lower body. That is a good switch off for me. Um, driving is a massive switch off. Like that's something that I I I love to do. Like I've been into cars, you know, ever since I, you know, before I could even walk. Um, yeah, so that's something that I, you know, that, hence, uh, my, you know, traveling around Scotland in a van, like I will be able to, I'll, 
that'll be the time where I'm able to switch off the most because you haven't got the opportunity to engage with your phone. It's you, the road, music, whoever's with you, and that's it. Yeah, driving. Yes. That is, that's my yes. biggest. That's my biggest switch off. That's, that's my yeah. anchor, I suppose. Are you a, are you a podcast man, or is it just more music to switch off? Um, I won't. I wouldn't switch off a podcast. If I was listening to a podcast, it would be related to this industry. So yeah. I'm, you know, I'm making notes, thinking about how I can apply different you know, principles and aspects to like my own life and my own business. Yeah. So I, I, I think we're, anything to do with this industry, like I'm on and I'm thinking about what I can use, what I can't use. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find that that's about one thing that because I, I love listening to podcasts on the industry, but kind of flipping it over. One of the podcasts that I've been enjoying, the, the Muscle Mentors. Obviously, I know that you're you still currently getting coached. Obviously, we'll talk to touch about that yeah, in a minute. So I'm still so I'm still working with James. Yeah, yeah. So I've been listening to to a few of their podcasts, but I, I've noticed that like now there's a lot more of them now. There's kind of a little bit of a comical side of it. Right. Is it Paul? I can't remember. Is it Paul Sandal? Yeah, yeah. Nice guy. He's quite an energetic. Yeah, very energetic. Outgoing. So that sort of like he brings that sort of fun side. Obviously, we talk we talk about training and all ex- yep. exercise mechanics and all that, but they kind of put like a bit of a story and they kind of talk about like Lord of the Rings and random stuff. So that sort of thing I get away with. But when it's like really really deep training, sometimes I kind of leave that to other things. But Modern Wisdom's another one that I've been and quite enjoyed listening yep. to as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've listened to Modern Wisdom uh, a couple of times. Uh, yeah, he's got he gets some really uh, like high profile guests on. Yeah. Um, but Paul, which you might know, you might not know, he mm-hmm. used to be an actor, so yes. he's quite. Yeah, yeah. He's quite. He's, yeah, he's got. Uh, he's got a lot of energy to bring to the table. Um, and yeah, you know, he obviously he knows his stuff a lot. I've had the pleasure of doing some RTS stuff with uh with, with Paul. He's a really good guy. Yeah, go on. We'll, t- we'll talk a bit about training. Obviously, some yeah. of the like, the mentors you've had previously. Okay. Have you always been into? Have you always had a coach? Have you always been to seminars? Mentors? That something that you've always kind of like really we want to do. Yeah. So you know, very very early on, I start. I recognised that in order to stand out in this industry, you need to to be doing like you know other things, and you need to, you need to be learning like all of the time. Um, because really, you, you know, your PT course might qualify you but it doesn't it doesn't qualify you to really work it doesn't give you the skills that you need to work with it with an individual um so some of the the first person that i really engaged with on an edu- on a, a cpd basis was phil learning mm-hmm. um no, are you familiar with phil i know the name but I, I, right. again it's probably been popped up on podcasts and stuff yeah um, so uh... phil's phil's probably maybe in like his early 40s now um and it's it's kind of it's interesting that you that you don't you don't know him because everybody who's or you don't you know know them that well because everybody who is my age in this industry like would go heavily like towards him um because he was really the first person who started putting out um specific continuous professional development for personal trainers like he was the first person that really started marketing like to this industry. And the very first seminar that I went to him was called Advanced Nutritional Strategies, which was probably in 2014 out of a gym in Manchester somewhere. Um, and he had about 120 people there. Like, and it was like 160 pound ticket. <laughs> and it was like, and everybody was hanging off every single word that he said. And looking back now, the advanced nutritional strategy stuff isn't necessarily, isn't not, the, and he would probably openly say that, say this in that, you know, 
anything he was saying then was far too complicated for a client. Um, and it's not really the, the approach that you should use with most of the general population. Um, but he's adapted a lot and he's, he's grown a lot. And I don't really engage with a lot of his stuff now because I feel like it's, it's much more geared to people who are like new to the industry. Um, but he was the first person who I, you know, I really started looking at with regards to like, how can I serve my clients better? How can I get this person to listen to me? How can I get this person to lose more body fat, etc.? cetera. Um, move, moving on from there, I've always, uh, liked Mark Coles, who I was fortunate enough to do a six month mentorship, um, which was probably that would have been about five years ago now. So maybe 2015, 2016 sort of time frame. So I did a six month mentorship with Mark, who, you know, definitely helped us create a lot more like processes within this business. Um, cause stepping into it, you know, managing a team of people of which I think everybody apart from me business partner, Alex was older than us. Um, so it was a bit of a weird sort of like psychology, which, you know, I don't experience at all now. Um, you know, cause I've just grown and developed like as a person and, you know, recognizing like exactly what I want for pioneer performance. Um, yep. So Mark calls, he was also really good with the like personal development stuff. Um, and probably gauged like a lot of the like early, um, like mechanics stuff and making exercise better, like through him as well. Um, I've never really been one to go to a lot of the people who were on the, you know, latest my protein advert or training advice or or, yeah. or any, anything like that. Um, again, I think that that maybe comes back to me not wanting to follow a crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, then I've like heavily been influenced, like like business wise. Like I've always loved the stuff that Nick Mitchell does with with UP. You know, abs, you know, somebody who just is able to dominate like this industry. You know, very 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 few people have two gyms that are successful. He's probably got maybe just less than twenty now across the globe, which like you know sounds you know I, I can't imagine like how that how that that machine like works and runs. But I've always like admired many of the things that he says, um, and I've been fortunate enough to, you know, to connect with a lot of the people that work with him now and manage manage those gyms. You know, learning um, you know, different things on how to you know, improve a client's experience really. Mm-hmm. So, do you implement a lot of like the stuff that you've learned from the mentors and stuff in your in your own things? I've always been a, people are probably in a similar situation when they're kind of hesitant to go and invest the money in these mentors because maybe they're thinking oh well if they've learned it through a certain thing maybe i can learn it through my own mistakes which i think is a, a good point obviously you do learn a lot from the mistakes that you've made previously and stuff like that but do you do you kind of swear by mentorship and always kind of put yourself into and listen to other people's ideas absolutely not but in the same in the same sentence oh i value being accountable we paid probably a thousand pound a month for that mentorship, which was a lot of money, um, especially for where we were at. But we knew that it would force us to do um, the things that needed to be done for the business to work and for the business to grow. Um, if I was going to recommend any advice like to people who were in a similar situation to me, is that I would simply, I would always, if you were going to get a mentor, you've got to have somebody, you've got to get somebody who has done what you want to do. So for me, I needed to have somebody else who owned a gym that I looked up to. And, you know, I definitely take, we definitely take that box in working with Mark Coles, you know, 
and he was a, you know, a really, a really great guy. Some of the things looking back, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't do or didn't really work for our particular business. And maybe we were copying what worked for him, you know, but wasn't really going to work for us because we had slightly different structures, different areas, different demographics, different price points, etc. Um, but you've got to find somebody who is who has done what you want to do, or you've got to find somebody around you um, who runs a business, who has a business, and is quite open to giving you critical advice in order to help you do what do what you want to do. And I think at the same time, throughout running this business, I've always had somebody who'd done that, which was um, one of our clients, Amy. Um, so Amy was a she ran a very big marketing company. Um, which wasn't something I'm not sure if it still is or not. Um, but she was always able to help us out with like the website aspect of things, making sure we had, um, you know, the correct forms for getting lead generation, making sure things worked effectively, making sure we were asking our clients for feedback all of the time um, in order to, you know, in the feedback that we get from our clients allows us to grow the business, make it better, you know, and allow it to become a more profitable entity. Um, you keep high quality clients for a longer period of time and you're able, you're able to serve, you're able to serve people more, which is ultimately what we had to do where he had to help somebody get the results, you know, that they, that they've came to us for whatever, wherever that might be, whether that's gaining muscle, whether that's gaining confidence, whether that's, you know, and, you know, being able to recover from an injury, et cetera. Like a lot of personal trainers forget that they're in the service industry and they're here, they, they're here to, to help somebody. Um, so having her like just gain it, give us like a really gentle or sometimes a really hard yeah and telling us like what you need to hear what is going wrong like it is one of the most valuable things like you know that i could really tell anybody any business owner to do you know mm -hmm. give your clients the opportunity to give you completely anonymous feedback and you can do that using you can do that using google um Google Forms these days, or you can do that using um, SurveyMonkey these days, where people can be brutally honest with what they think of you. And as long as you're a person who is of growth mindset, you should be able to take away a lot of value from that. And actually, looking back now, that was the foundation of us stopping group training. So we found that we weren't able to, um, but this is at Wall's End. When we were doing the group training, we recruited a lot of our one-to-one -one clients into doing it. Um, which was a big mistake, but it was 22, you know. Um, the feedback form that we gave to people, so many of them openly said, I just want to go back to working with you one-to-one. -one. I'm quite happy to pay double the price. Yeah, feedback, that's, that's something that I've started integrating. Feedback's massive, isn't it? And I know a lot of people who swear by the group training side of things, but if you are going to switch, to that, switch over to that without yeah. asking the clients, like, what do you actually think about it? Like... Yeah. You're going to end up losing them at the end of the day. It's great yeah. that you're very open about it. Group, group training is an extremely profitable business. It is far mm -hmm. more, as, as a gym owner, it is far more profitable than one-on-one -on -one coaching. However, that doesn't provide me this, with the sense of fulfillment that, that I want. I'm not able to build the relationships that I want with people. Um, and there's a lot of pressure in order to fill like numbers, etc., by a certain time. And I was never really very, I was never very happy with that. I don't want to get to the 12th of August and say, fucking hell, I'm sorry for swearing. Um, I meant to have 18 people by this date and I've only got six. Like what I'm going to say to these six people, do I push it back? Do I just do it and lose money? It's a horror, it's a, it was a position that we found ourselves in so like so many times. And actually 
I, I kind of, I've always said this is that I don't actually think you can run it's, or it's very, very challenging to run a one-to-one business and a group training business side by side. The, the, as long as they're in the same four walls and they've got the same brand and, you know, you're trying to marry or differentiate different products, like within the same environment with the same people using the same tools. It's, it's so, it's so challenging um, to get people to engage with one and then get another pe- group of people to engage with another because that they are ultimately that the different the different customers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like what you said there about like you feel like you you weren't satisfied in the group training thing. Because I'm exactly the same. I love the building relationships with people and like working mm-hmm. with them one to one. I know a lot of my mm-hmm. clients probably prefer that sort of thing. Yeah. And like I, I said before, I think a lot of people are forced into the group aspect because they think more clients in at once, yeah. less more free time, more money. Yeah. It's not. It's not at the end of the day. It, obviously, we need to make money at the end of the day, but it's about satisfaction and what kind of makes you happy and what makes your clients happy long term never mind like what other people are doing and you see the figures that they're making doing a group thing like focus on what you enjoy doing and if i would say to people if it's if i enjoy doing what i'm doing now for less money than what someone else is doing who's 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 maybe making double whatever but if i'm satisfied and that's giving me the satisfaction and my clients are getting the results that's the main thing in the day and you know it it sometimes it just comes it does come down to like where you sit ethically with things so we, we you might see a lot of group, group training businesses doing really well buy new kit drive nice cars, et cetera, et cetera. But what you don't know is that over the seven classes over the course of a day, for an hour, that coach or that business owner stood there saying, God, that person's squat is really, really bad. They shouldn't be doing that, but I can't give them anything else. And like for, for somebody carrying that around with them, knowing that this person's probably going to blow a kneecap out soon or you know have some sort of like significant injury, it, it you know it really just come down to like to where you to where you lie and that you know um, that maybe that's an extreme view that's not always the case but i've got you know i've got friends who have worked in the f45 franchise which is an amazing franchise like incredible again another business model that's been able to go worldwide you know and it's definitely got that um you know a bit more of like club you know like good vibes you know sort of atmosphere um, and it's something that you know we can always take things from we can take you can take you know, many things from things that are successful, whether they're in this industry or directly related to you or not. But it depends on what you want the person in front of you to achieve. And if you're not happy with the way that somebody moves or you know this about this joint and you know that that person is not going in the right direction, your ability to fix things in a group atmosphere is really, really challenging. Yeah, I know. And I think, I think a lot of the time that's, where people like you said there a lot of people do get the injuries and stuff from people do maybe strive like strive off the group environment do some people do love it but i think they're probably some, a lot of people need that one-to-one pt aspect to actually get to a certain level maybe mm-hmm. if you you do do that down the line you have a certain amount of clients who work with you one-to-one yeah. for a of time get the technique right then they could maybe transition over to it but then it's it's just getting the balance right it, it is a, it is a tough to kind of balance the both like you said yeah and you know as, like as a business the the way that our gym is like is kitted out we are here to provide the most to a person like at any one time. We're not here to try and provide the most um, to 12 people like at, at any time. Um, mm-hmm. And I think to like genuinely move an individual forward, you need that one-to-one aspect and you need that relationship with your coach who, you know, you know, is totally entirely like, you know, on your side, like, you know, there to hold and keep you, keep you accountable. 
I think that the technology now that you've got like within group training is excellent and you can do all of those things which I've said like even more and deliver like a higher level of service but I don't get the sense of I wouldn't get I know that I wouldn't get the sense of fulfillment from doing that which is why which is why we don't and you know everybody who works with us feels that like the feels the same way and you know there's a reason that we were able to charge the money that we we charge now and it's been it's been built upon us trying to get that individual moving forward faster in you know the most effective way possible working with them on a one-to-one basis mm-hmm. 100%. there's definitely pluses, pluses and negatives to yeah. both sides of training but it's whatever works best and i think the best thing about the one-to-one is you're going to get quality out of it mm-hmm. and you're going to put that, that individual person is going to get the best service possible rather than in a yeah. group uh, aspect so where do you see pioneer going within the five in the next five ten where would you like it to go I, in the ideal picture do you want it to be a huge kind of franchise it and have gyms all over or would you just rather have the one pioneer gym and have it the best possible place or is this is all secret you don't have to tell me if you've got secrets and stuff yeah like. I, I like I'm, I'm i'm really i'm really open to be honest like i'm not i don't mm-hmm. I, I rarely i rarely keep secrets um i I definitely could see myself like I would, for me personally, like I want to divert. Like if there's something that the pandemic has, has told us, it's that we need to be more that we need to be more diverse. You know, the, the fitness industry is completely shut down. Like if you know, you do need to have a more diverse um, source of income. Moving forward, Pioneer is going to be delivering more um, education stuff to clients. Um, and that'll probably be within that'll be within the facility or combined with some some online stuff. So we and you know whether that's going to be to coaches or, or like maybe like a bit more like exercise enthusiast um stuff because we have a, a, like a lot of people who are heavily into training look at the gym and then start following us um which is always a really a really good thing and um, but this is where I need to improve on my creative side and engage more with social media because I, I don't actively dislike it but I don't go far as far forward as what I need to with it and I'm, I'm quite I'm quite open with that right now it's not it's not good enough it needs to level up maybe hence this microphone who knows <laughs> um but we will so we'll be doing some educational stuff moving forward I think that if we got the opportunity to grow the gym bigger we we will maybe whether that's another floor in here um, possibly, but I've definitely got some, I've got a, an equipment list, um, which is sort of continuously ongoing, but then I've also bought some duplicates of like things that we already have in here. So if we did want to create another one, like somewhere else we could do it a relatively like fast speed. And so, yeah, I've, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that we, I'm not actively looking to open up another gym, but maybe some of my actions like say otherwise. I don't like I've not got any locations or anything like that. I would like to see two gyms, but we need to um we need to nail down more parts of our um more of our processes before we're able to to do that. Um so I'm I'm ha- always happy for any opportunities that, that that sort of come by. That doesn't answer your question at all. Um, no, mate, no, no, it doesn't. I'll happy with that. I'm happy with that. You it's just one of them things where like you, you you've kind of you understand what you need to do and if once you get to a certain point if that opportunity opens up another yeah. window to and then you're going to take it it's one of the things where yeah it's just see how see how it goes kind of thing but there's always going to be room to grow yeah you never know what can happen uh, there was one question before we're finished with the little q a that i, I wrote at yeah. the bottom 
because um, obviously you, you've been busy over the years growing the gym and stuff like that how yeah. has your own training had to adapt and has there been periods where you've had to sacrifice your own training because that's the one thing being a personal trainer mm-hmm. and being in the industry a lot of people get, become personal trainers but get to the or go to the gym originally for vanity for the self for their own training yeah. have you had to sacrifice your training at times and what's it looking like currently as well yeah so I've definitely had to sacrifice my own training at times um, I would I would have been sacrificing my own training right now if I wasn't working with James, which is why I decided to start working with James. Um, because I like and you know, again, obviously it's clear coming out from this conversation that I do well like with accountability and somebody saying, You said you were gonna do this, we need to do it. So I actively put those things in place for, for where I for where I need them. Um yeah, so my training right now tends to be sort of like more of an upper body push day. Um, upper body pull day, then a um, what's day three? Day three is then a full body day where I sort of where it includes like just some quads and, and hamstring curls. Um, and then I've got a fourth day, which is sort of optional based upon my diary, um, which tends to be like arms, abs, and, and calves. Um, a lot of people laugh when I tell them that, or a lot of the coaches in here do. Um, and then on my last day of the week is a lower body day. Yeah. All which right. when so, I, you know, I definitely need accountability with lower body training right now because it's quite hard. It's quite heavy. And it's very long, which is why I take myself off to, to Ultraflex pretty much every Friday to, to deliver that because I know that I can do a better job of it there rather than in the gym because I'll just procrastinate. Yeah, I know, 100. I think the accountability aspect of things is is what a lot of people need to to kind of take it to the next level. Especially if you're something a busy professional like yourself, having that accountability is going to force you to do something. Um, was there periods where you were literally not training at all because you were too busy with things, or you've always kind of at least got like two or three days in a week? Yeah. So the only times when I really I haven't ever trained like would be when there's been something really significant going on with the gym. So either that was moving the gym from Walls End to the Quayside, um, or that you know installing the mezzanine in the gym but i would be too physically exhausted to actually train and it would probably be something that would be negative like you know yeah. it would induce a, a, a negative effect rather than a positive effect mm-hmm. yeah. have you had any aspirations of competing or would you see yourself as more of a a businessman rather than an athlete in a sense if you get what i mean because obviously you're in good nick and stuff you could probably go down that route have you thought about it or is it more um, business so I think that it's kind of, it's always been, it's been something that has never, ever really been on my radar to compete. Like I said at the start, I enjoy the process of things more than I do like the actual, comp- the actual competition. Um, maybe when I first started training, that was like when people say, oh, you, you go to the gym, like, oh, so do you compete? There was probably a higher ratio because there was less people going to the gym. There was a much higher ratio of people who go to the gym and compete than, than what there is, than what there is now. Um, so it's never really been something on my radar. I massively appreciate it. Um, I understand it to a certain degree because I've seen a lot of my very good friends like you know go through it. But what I see them go through in order to achieve that isn't something that would yeah that would be very like fulfilling for for me. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, so we might see you down the stairs in, in a few years, maybe. But I think, yeah, I've spoken to a lot of people who are, <laughs> nah, maybe not. <laughs> I've spoken to a few people who um who are in a similar situation situation yourself, yep. own a gym. They've had that aspirations when they were younger of competing, but now yep. they're a businessman, and that's gonna be it's gonna be detrimental to their progress if they do want to try and compete to the levels that you need to. 
I think that I think that it's something a lot of people tell themselves they need to do in order to like pre-qualify them to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, and for myself, I've just never I've never really felt that. Um, you know, a lot of people feel like they need to be a name before they open a gym, or they need to be you know they need to have this status before they work with X Y Z. And that might actually be applicable if you're working with people who compete. Um, but because we work with the general population. You know, it's never been something that I've felt like a um, a massive need to to go to go and do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say if you do you want to compete and you want to be a, a certain well, or work with a certain amount of client, clients or yeah. a type of client, competing yeah. is going to open up a, a wider client base for you. Like when you I've, turn pro as a bodybuilder, whatever it is. So, but depends like, on your, your your target market is and stuff. Definitely. Go on, we'll wrap up with the last three questions. Did you have a look at the little Q and A right at the end? Um, three, I did. Because yeah. I'll give people a little bit of time to prep for these last few because they can catch a few people out. So first question, three people you'd like to invite round for dinner or go out for a coffee with, past or present? Um, okay. <laughs> so, there we go. I think you've got to have, I mean, I would, Nick Mitchell, owner of the performance. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely bring him round. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, just for the, yeah, just for the crack, really. I think you'd have some good, so like some you know some some good some good stories to tell um in a lot of a lot of experience and number three it's always a tough one hey some people say like the mom or dad or the grandma you know i've had a few people just say that i'll have me i'll have me grandma around for tea she makes a good cuppa yeah yeah <laughs> um i would maybe i would bring back maybe me me dad's dad because i never really got to know him there we go perfect i like that one i think arnold's the most ticked off person is who he? everyone wants right i think he's up there he's definitely up there he, next he's one cancelled at the moment is he yeah but, well just because he said he said he doesn't need doesn't think people should have the freedom to make vaccine beard oh uh, all oh, right i haven't i haven't been kept i'm terrible with politics and news and stuff i need to get myself updated but uh, um next one three people you'd want to train with yeah um so again i would like to i would like to train with with with, with nick mitchell from from up um number two there's a um a fella called uh, Milos who's a bodybuilder who's got like in like an insane sort of work ethic um in terms of the way that he, he's able to to get people training. So I would I would like to train with him, although it would scare me um a lot. And then probably the last one would be someone like CT Fletcher. Yeah, old school. <laughs> he was one of, like I said, him Mike Rashid, one of the first ones that I kind of came across when I was starting to look into lifting and gym and the old videos yeah. over training and all that sort of stuff I used to love it yeah Perfect. and then last one one thing you'd say to yourself five years ago i found i like i found this one quite hard to answer um so i've just kind of i've kept it i've really sort of kept it simple and that you know, don't be afraid just feel fast mm-hmm. Perfect. Lovely way, lovely way to end it. I always like that last question, just to have a little bit of self-reflection, which I'm a, a big believer in self-reflection. But it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, mate. Um, awesome. I'll tag your the gym's Instagram website and everything down below in the Perfect. comments Thank in the you. show notes. Uh, quickly shout out your Instagram if anybody wants to wants to give you a follow. Yeah, so uh, my Instagram's uh, Matthew Walker um, Pioneer, and then the gym's Instagram is just Pioneer Performance. Yeah, like I said, I'll put them all down below. You're gonna be, you're gonna keep you accountable now. You're gonna be more active on uh, on the socials Absolutely. for that. Absolutely, nice one. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect, mate. Well, thank you very much for coming on. Anyway, appreciate it a lot. Awesome, mate. Take care. Bye. Cheers.
So thank you very much if you listen to this full episode of the podcast and thank you again, Matthew, for coming on. Absolute pleasure. If you haven't already checked out the Pioneer Performance Gym's Instagram or website, definitely check it out. The link is down below. Fantastic gym in the northeast down the Quayside in Newcastle. But I'm going to have to check it out at some point. Just a little last little thing, as always, if you enjoy the podcast, remember to share it on your social medias. Tag myself at Brendan Pearson Fitness and also the guests on the podcast. Share it on your stories, share it on Facebook, share it with a family member, copy and paste the link over, put it in your group chat just to spread the word about the podcast and hopefully this podcast particularly might help out a few BTs or help anybody who wants to get into the fitness industry or open up their own gym or just anything at all. It would be great if you could share it. So thank you very much as always for listening. This has been Process. Mm-hmm.